Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, I want you to think back this morning, for some of you maybe just a few years, and, and for others maybe a few more, uh, to when you were a kid. And I want you to think about how you answer the question that every kid gets asked by countless adults. You know the question. What do you want to be when you grow up? As a kid, it seemed like anything was possible, right? So what did you want to do? Well, how would you answer that question? I want you to stop and think about that. What was it that you wanted to do? You got it? Now, I want you to raise your hand if you're currently doing what you always dreamed of. Nobody? The chances are, actually, it, it doesn't really matter all that much. If Even if you were in the, the job that you dreamed about, it's probably not exactly the way that you dreamed of it, that it would dream, that you dreamed it would go. After all, think about kids who, who dream about being a teacher, and they, they want to be a teacher because they want to help kids. They want to, to help them grow. They want to help them learn. They're excited about that, but they're not dreaming about discipline or about dealing with, with parents. Think about kids who, who dream to be a doctor or a nurse. They dream about, about helping people. They, they want to help them when they're hurt. They want to help them when they're sick. But they don't dream about insurance billing or malpractice or people who just want to get easy access to medication. Pilots? Kids who dream to be pilots, they're, they're dreaming about, about taking off, about defying gravity, about flying and, and feeling free and the power and how awesome that is. But they don't think about the, the bureaucracy and the hierarchy and all of the regulations and all of the hoops to jump through to be a pilot and, and maintain certification and get to fly the, the routes you want. See, chances are, even if you are currently doing what you always dreamed about, it's probably not quite the way you dreamed about it. That's really true for our whole lives, isn't it? If I had asked you 10 years, when you were 10 years old or 20 years old or 30 years old, what your life was going to look like, is that what it looks like today? Does your marriage look the way you had hoped is your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your parents what you had wanted it to be? Are you living in the, the home or the kind of home or the, the kind of neighborhood that you had dreamed about? And then what about your income? What about your looks? See, at a, at a certain point, we realize that our lives are not what we dreamed, what we hoped, what we planned. And at a certain point, the reality of life sets in. And you begin to see that tomorrow is going to look an awful lot like today. And next year is going to look a lot like this year. And that's not a very exciting proposition. 
and then you stop and you want to tune out and, and just stop thinking about all of your problems for a moment. And so you check into your social media and you see the highlights of everyone else's lives, all the all the things they're doing and the great things that they've accomplished and how great this person is in their life. And you compare that to what seems like not going your way. Everybody else has what they want and what they want to be and you have none of it. And it can leave us easily feeling frustrated, feeling hopeless, feeling trapped. Trapped in a life that that you're not thrilled with. And if you feel that way, I'll know that you're not alone. In fact, I think it's safe to say that everybody feels that way at some point, right? Nobody here is exactly doing what they had dreamed of when they were a kid. And, and I think everybody probably at some point feels trapped. That's our first takeaway this morning, that it's, it's an important point to be willing to acknowledge that I can feel trapped in my life. Now the question is, when you feel trapped, what do you do about it? Well, the natural reaction to feeling trapped is to to break out, to escape, to try to get free by running away. And so we're tempted to run away from whatever it is that we think is, is holding us back, is trapping us in life. We try to run away from our current reality. We try to run away from from our job, from our career. We try to run away from our our relationship, try to run away from our our neighborhood, our location, our house. We try to run away. And we think if we just get in the car, we drive up to the mountains, ah, the mountains solve everything, right? It'll be great. It'll be grand. It'll be freeing. And I suppose that if if you run away, you might feel free. For a little while, there might be this, this sense of, ah, oh, I don't have to deal with that. But if you've ever tried to run away from a problem in your life, you know that that feeling doesn't last. It never really leaves you free. And there's a reason for that. It's, it's because of this simple saying. Everywhere you go, there you are. So you can, you can run away, you can try to change all of the external things in your life, but the, the thing you can never run far enough or fast enough away from is you. You can never run away from yourself. So if you've ever felt this way, and, and everyone does at some point, everyone knows the reality of not having life go the way that they had hoped, the way they had dreamt, the way they had planned. I want to tell you today, you're you're in the right place. Because there's a way to be free without running away. Without trying to run away from your, your job or your relationship or your location. It's to be free without running. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this series that we're beginning today, this series called Free. And as we kick off our series today, we're, we're laying the groundwork, we're, we're putting in place the big idea that, that all of the rest of our series is going to center around. So in the section of the Bible that we are, are looking at this morning, it's from John chapter 8, 
we find Jesus speaking to a, a larger group of Jews. And a part of this group were Jewish leaders, including the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the really good-looking people. And not because they had the, the stylish clothes and the, the cool haircut and the, the excellent beard. No, the Pharisees were good-looking because they looked good. It looked good in what they did. See, the Pharisees were, were people who, who went above and beyond. Anytime there was any kind of rule or command or law, they didn't just go to the letter, they went beyond. Because they would put in place more rules and laws and commands. The, the Pharisees, they, they loved rules. They loved laws. And so, well, they, they spent their time focusing on them. And they added rules and regulations and laws upon rules and regulations and laws. And they took God's simple command and they would add layers and layers and layers of all these do's and don'ts and how many steps you could take and how much you could do and, and all, of these, all of these details. And the thing was, on the outside, it looked like they kept those commands, those regulations, those rules pretty well. They, they walked the walk, largely, but only on the outside. The real problem, though, was that because they walked the walk, because, they're, because they did all of these rules and laws, you know what they placed their hope in? Their confidence was found in a rule. Their hope was found in their performance. It had become all about them. They had believed a lie. The lie was that they could earn God's favor, that they could earn God's love, that they could even earn heaven by doing enough things. Now, among this group of Jewish leaders was also uh, some Jews who believed that Jesus was the Savior, that he was true God, he was the Son of God, that he had come to save the world from sin. And so, while Jesus was speaking to this larger group, he addressed the verses of our text from John 8, verses 31 and 32, to this group. And he said, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, the, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, they were considered the Bible experts. They knew their Bible. They knew it backwards and forwards. They knew facts and figures and details. And they, they kind of obsessed with that, right? Because that was, that was the easy part, to learn all of the facts. But in learning all of the what, they had, they had missed the why. They had learned all of the rules, but they had misunderstood or forgotten why God gave those rules to begin with. And so what they did is they had taken the basics, the, the, the facts of the Bible, and they had twisted them into what they wanted it to be rather than what God actually said. So Jesus told his disciples to simply listen, to simply listen with their ears to him, to tune out 
all of the, the noise, all of the, the rules of the Pharisees, all of the, the lies, the teachings, everything around them. Simply listen to him and hold on to that truth. And look what he promises. It will set you free. Because Jesus' teaching is the truth, and it has the power to set you free. Can you imagine how those first, that first audience, how they must have just rejoiced when they heard that, that news? I mean, think about it. They're surrounded by the people who, who go above and beyond, the people who, who take the extra step, go the extra mile. And they, they've put in place hundreds and hundreds of extra rules and regulations and laws, so many that's, that it's impossible to keep up with them. And here they are, they, boy, they sure look good, and boy, I sure mess up, and I can't do that. And then, if it's all about how well I do, well, how do you ever know if you've done enough? And even when you start to think, maybe I have done enough, how do you ever know if you've done it well enough? You can't ever know that, and and you won't. But here's the thing. They didn't need to feel hopeless. They didn't need to feel trapped. They felt that way because they were believing a lie. The lie, it's not new. The Pharisees had bought into it. They had believed it and they were teaching it. But it didn't start with them. And it's still around today. And the lie is simple. The lie is if if I do enough good things, I can earn God's love. I can earn heaven. But that was not then, and it is not now, the truth. God has made beautifully clear all throughout the Bible, from the very beginning, all the way through to the very end, that there is a very simple truth. It's it's beautiful. The truth is that God sent a Savior. He came to save us, to live perfectly where we fail to die on the cross and make the payment for all of our sins. And because we trust in him, through faith in him, he has forgiven all of your sins and it gives you heaven. That is so much better than being trapped. And it's, it's freeing and it's free. God gives this free gift of forgiveness, of heaven, of salvation. And he sets us free from from our failures. He sets us free from our, our fears. He sets us free from all of our guilt and our shame, from all of our sins. Because he paid for them all. He sets us free from, from worrying about eternity. Because he says it's, it's done and it's given to you. He sets us free from the, the constant stress of trying to do something that is impossible And that's to earn God's favor. You can't earn God's love. And so the fear of trying to do enough and trying to do it well enough, it's a a horribly stressful way to live. And God says, you're free. Because that's our, our second takeaway this morning, that the truth of Jesus' work, of his life, perfect life in my place, his death for me, it frees me from guilt from worry.
See, all of that changes. All of the, the believing of the lie, the feeling of being trapped, it all changes when you listen to Jesus. When you trust him, when you hold on to his teaching. It's the truth that set those Jews who are listening to him that day free. It's the truth that sets you and sets me free. It's the truth about the most important thing, the truth about our salvation, about eternity. And it's also the truth in every area of our life that God speaks. See, and that's an important point because God wants us to think about his truth for our salvation and for our lives. And that brings us then to the big idea, our third takeaway. It's the the big idea for our, our whole series that my beliefs influence my attitudes and my behaviors. See, the Pharisees, they, they believed that by keeping a bunch of rules, that by obeying a bunch of regulations and laws, they could make God love them. That was their belief. And as a result, their behavior was all about rules, all about obedience, all about doing And their attitude? Well, it never had peace. They never had joy. They never really had hope. Because their entire religious life was about what they did. Their belief influenced their attitude and their behavior. It's true, isn't it? Your beliefs about me as a a person, as a pastor, influence your attitude and your behavior towards me. Your behavior, your belief about your spouse influences your behavior and your attitude toward your spouse. Your belief about your boss, whether that's that they're a jerk, that they're incompetent, that they're in over their head, that they're, wow, they're a, an amazing leader and I would follow them anywhere. That influences your attitude toward them and your behaviors. Whatever you believe about anything, influences your attitude and your behavior about anything. Let me give you a a, a common, a simple example. How many of you ever heard, I just don't have enough money? We've all heard people say that, right? And and we've said that, right? And if you're talking about buying a specific item, and I I just don't have enough money to buy that, I, I can't do it. Well, that's fine. That's a fact, right? But there's a danger of, in hearing this statement and not just hearing it, but saying it and and playing it over and over and over in our minds that we begin to believe a lie. Let me show you how it goes. It starts out when you want to do things and you say, "Hmm, I I don't have enough money. And then you keep hearing this and you keep saying this and you begin to obsess, I don't have enough money. 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 And all of a sudden, that belief that you don't have enough money leads to an attitude of of fear and of constant worry. Worry that you don't have enough. It leads to a behavior that, that refuses generosity because you don't have enough. You can't. But it's all a lie. The truth that that God states, that God promises throughout his word is that he gives us everything that we need. 
right? We pray for it in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And he promises, he gives us everything we need and then some. Now, when God gives us enough money, is that enough for our needs? Absolutely. Is it enough for everything that we could possibly ever want to buy? No. But now we're not really, the problem isn't really about money, is it? It's, it's about a lie, a lie that we've believed rather than the truth of God's promise. Sometimes the reason that we feel trapped and worried and stressed and upset and unhappy and unfulfilled is that we believe things about life, we believe things about ourselves, we believe even things about God that just are not true. We find ourselves believing lies. Now, I'm guessing that you probably are feeling just a a tiny bit indignant right now because you might be thinking, wait a minute, that means that I'm, the pastor's calling me dumb. He, He thinks that I'm naive, that I don't have common sense because believing lies means all of those things, right? Not at all. The truth is you're not dumb. The truth is that it's not about intelligence at all, though. The truth is that it's a matter of where you get your truth. See, the, the world has tried to make everything a subjective truth, right? That it, it all depends on where you get your truth these days. But God says there is an objective truth. His word is the truth, right? Now, as, as we take in all of this input, all of this data, all of this information that bombards us all the time, I, I read somewhere that it's multiple terabytes of data every single day that we are bringing and taking in and and processing. And it comes from all these different sources, from movies, from music, from TV, from commercials, from magazines, from our phone, all kinds of different ads from from our coworkers, from our bosses, from our employees, from our our friends, our Christian friends, from our non-Christian friends. The list goes on and on, all of this different information, and it it just keeps coming. And we try to filter all of that information, but sometimes just the loudest voices, the loudest messages, sometimes those most common and popular and and often heard opinions, they begin to take hold. And it's not a matter of being dumb. It's a matter of, of being a sinful person that lives in a sinful world. In Women, how many of you know the fact that beauty is is really not on the outside? And yet look at how many young women believe that, that beauty is a number on a scale. Look at how many young men and how many not-so-young men think that success is, is measured in dollar signs. Think how many marriages are crumbling because of lies. Not not lies that are told, but lies that are, are believed. Lies about what marriage should look like. Lies about what my spouse should be doing and should mean to me. Lies about how I should feel and what should what I should get out of this relationship. Look at how many single people think that all of their problems would be solved if, if they were just able to get married. Think of how many married people think that all of their problems would be solved if they were just single again. And then there's the 
the as soon as lies, right? How many people believe that? As soon as blank happens, then I'll be happy. As soon as I get married. As soon as I have kids. As soon as my kids are out of diapers. As soon as my kids are out of the house. As soon as I get a job, as soon as I get a better job, as soon as I get a car, as soon as I get a better car, as soon as I get a house, as soon as I get a better house, as soon as I retire, the list goes on and on. And, and we keep thinking, as soon as, then I'll be happy. And it never happens, does it? We know it's a lie because we believed it before. We've, we've held on to that hope that as soon as this happens, then I'll be happy. And this happens... And we're still not. We're unfulfilled. And we feel trapped. Why? Because we're believing a lie. And the thing is, there is no such thing as, as an innocent, and we sometimes want to call them white, right? They're harmless lies. There is no such thing. They are all dangerous. They all are intended to, to hurt, to destroy, right? Look back at our, our reading from before, from the Garden of Eden. The devil just said, hey, you got, why, why don't you eat this fruit? Why don't you try this? Oh, God didn't really say that. It's not a big deal. Just, just try a little piece of fruit. Sounds harmless. Sounds easy. Sounds simple. But it was not. The goal was death. The goal of that lie was to kill to kill Adam and Eve and to bring death into the world to all people, to ruin perfection. See later in that same conversation that our, our sermon text is from Jesus, he was responding because the, the Pharisees didn't like that Jesus was talking to the Jews who had believed him. And, and so they challenged Jesus and Jesus responded. And they challenged Jesus again. And they kind of threw down and, and Jesus said, you know what the problem is? The problem is that you simply do not believe. You don't believe me. You don't believe what I'm saying is the truth. And here's why. And, and notice not just what Jesus says about them, but what he says about the devil. Take a look at verse 44. Jesus says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Boom. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Understand what Jesus is saying, and, and please remember this point. Anytime the devil speaks, he is never, ever, 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 are you getting my point? Ever, ever doing it for your good. That temptation is never to be a blessing, never to be good for you. Every single time, his goal is to hurt, to ruin, to destroy. It doesn't always look that way on the surface, right? It's just a piece of fruit. It's harmless. It, you'll be like God. Just do this. God won't care. God won't know. But the goal, the devil's goal, is always, always, always to ruin, 
to ruin you, to ruin your hope, to leave you feeling trapped, to leave you feeling helpless, to leave you feeling hopeless, to leave you feeling that you have to run, to run away from God. See, that's why the words of this text, the words that Jesus spoke are so powerful and so important because they point us back to the truth. It's our fourth takeaway this morning. It's that lies trap me, but God's truth sets me free. See, God wants us to know the truth. He wants us to know that he sent Jesus to save you, to save me. He wants you to know that he loves you more than, more than you can even possibly imagine. He wants you to know that he has forgiven you, that he has a place picked out just for you, that he has written your name in his book of life. He wants you to know the truth, the truth about your salvation, the truth about living, about life, and living it for him, living it free, so that you don't get caught up in lies, in, in believing the lies of the devil. Because our beliefs, they influence our attitude and our behavior. That's why God wants us to know the truth and to hold on to the truth so that as we, as we hear all of this input, all of this data, all of this information coming at us every single day, that we filter it. We filter it through the truth. So that we don't feel trapped because he wants us to know the truth. Because the truth is what sets us free. Amen.